Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum. I will be your host for this episode as always, and I'm really excited to bring you all this episode today. My guest is someone that, uh, from what I've learned about them, uh, they they have a you know a, a standard nine to five job, and and they work they do great work in what they do. Uh, but just in a short conversation of what I've had so far, and in, in learning about them and, and getting to know them, uh, I've already seen that they have a lot of personality, uh, a lot of things going on in their life that I'm really excited to learn about, and so. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode. So Reggie, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, for those that may not be aware, uh, and even just for myself, would you care to just describe a little bit about yourself and what you do and what you have going on in your life? Okay, <laughs> we'll do. So I'm, I'm Reginald Floyd Smith II, and I am, um, uh, my day job is I'm the executive director of the Bethlehem Center here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I've been there for about uh, let's see, eight, almost eight and a half years now. So I've been there for a pretty good amount of time. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Came here to, in 2004 to go to the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Graduated, stuck around. Go Mox. Go Mox. Go Mox. Go Mox. Uh, <laughs> uh, decided to stay again and, and get a, a master's degree from there and stuck around. And now it seems like they can't get rid of me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a professor <laughs> at UTC. Oh, really? I'm on the alumni committee. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I do a lot. So, so what do you, what do you, what do you, t- sorry to interrupt you. What do you, what do you teach at UTC? So I actually teach in the master's of public administration program. Uh, I teach that, was it uh, human service, human resources management for um, nonprofit and government systems. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I didn't, I didn't even know that, you know, it's funny whenever, um, you know, Amanda that I'd spoken with, uh, you know, had, had told me about you and, and everything. She's initially, what she had told me was he works at the Bethlehem center, but he's got his hands in a lot of different things. And so he's a very interesting individual. I said, all right, well, it sounds like right up my alley. So I'm learning new things already. That's awesome. So how did, how did that come about? I'm, I'm curious. Was, was that something that you wanted to do or was this just an opportunity that was extended to you? It was an opportunity really that was extended to me. I, my background is not in human resources, yeah. but I run the Bethlehem Center. As the executive director, I I do a lot of human resources stuff. Naturally, I took the class in college, but at the same time, I'm actually a student right now. I'm finishing my PhD. I'm, I will be Dr. Smith in December. Really? Um, and wow. so a few years back, my program coordinator, who, well, program coordinator at UTC, the guy who runs the actual uh, program, Dr. Horn, 
reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, it's a pandemic going on. We do, you know, some things are shifting up here. And uh, would you like to teach a class? It's not a lot of stress. It's a hybrid class. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but uh, okay, well, you know what? I, I'll dip my toe into academia yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it won't hurt anything. Yeah. And naturally, I fell in love with it. Um, I'm not a full-time professor. Yeah. And so I only teach one class in the spring at human resources class. And I promised myself I wouldn't teach um, more than that one class until I finished this PhD. And then, so I don't know what's going to happen when I finish the PhD, but I definitely see myself at UTC a little bit on a more consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine they wouldn't want you to stick around. You know, uh, are you are you doing the PhD through UTC? No, I'm actually uh, out of uh, it's a university out of Knoxville, Johnson University. Oh yeah, yeah. And so um, I'm on. The, I graduate when I get finished playing. Yeah. And so essentially, <laughs> I um I jumped into this PhD program because of um. You know, they were a regionally accredited PhD that was that had an online component, and I was like, "Yeah, shoot, I can knock this out." In between time, uh, let's see, uh, I became the executive director at the Beth, and uh, <laughs> had a few things yeah. happen. Yeah, and so I <laughs> took a job, started you know having having to be the man that runs that, but ended up getting married and had a couple kids, and uh, so. Um, I'm having a really great time learning and studying in this dissertation phase. And uh, down to now, my professors were like, wait a minute, you write too much. It's, <laughs> refocus your thoughts here. Re, you know, rethink this. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I'm having a good time. I'm not really stressed about when I graduate. Yeah. Except for now, I'm stressed because I'm like, I can't, I can't keep telling people I'm in school. I got to graduate. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I, I finished this December. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I, what, what is the, do you have like an ultimate goal with the PhD now? Cause I mean, it's, it sounds like to me, you've, you not only have your hands in a lot of things, but you sound to me like someone who, you know, would be a desirable employee or candidate for that. I mean, like you said, you're already, you know, running the Bethlehem center. You, you mentioned to me before we started that you've, you know, you've been working in some different businesses as well. It sounds like you've by all standard, you know, societal norms, like you're doing well, you're successful. You've, you've got things going well for you. What's, what's the next step in your mind with the PhD? And that's what, that's what makes this whole, the conversation about the PhD <laughs> so hard, right? I originally jumped into it thinking, oh, well, all the important people around me, they have these doctorates. And originally I was in, I was working in Hamilton County Department of Education. So, you know, everybody around me had EDDs and PhDs. So I was like, well, I want to be like one of those people. I have to get this extra education. And so now I, I'm in the program and I'm learning all this stuff and I'm, I just genuinely enjoy learning. And then I realized it, it kind of dawned on me. Well, once I'm Dr. Smith, it's not like my current job is going to pay me more money because I have it. Um, if I go over to UTC and actually, you know, teach, it's because I actually love working with young people and teaching. Um, so th right now it's more of a, it's an accomplishment that I set out mm -hmm. to accomplish and I want to accomplish it. And it's back to, you know, I'm, you know, my dad told me in life, I should always be trying to one up him. Mm -hmm. And then I would, I should always want my son to one up me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, my dad has a master's degree. I'm going to push to get something higher than that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of career wise, I'm blessed to be doing the things that I'm doing. And I'm really, I'm really happy about that. So yeah. I'm not doing the degree for, you know, career advancement. I'm more so, I like the fact that I've proved to myself that I can accomplish something at that high level. Yeah. And, and I'm, I kind of love that that's the way you described it because, um, I'm at a similar point in my life, not in the sense that I'm, you know, taking uh, doctorate level classes or anything, but, 
Um, you know, there have been things in my personal life where I have, you know, begun asking, like, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Like, obviously I have a day job, but like this podcast, uh, I mean, no one's making me do this. This is just something I wanted to do. Uh, I recently signed up for a marathon, uh, which I'll be doing in October. And like all these things, you know, people have asked me like, okay, well, why are you doing these things? And, you know, it's, it's funny because I look at myself and I look at my life and I know that like, if I were to stop doing this, what we're doing right here, right now, if I were to stop doing that, my life would be fine. Things would be normal. I'd go on, work a job and get paid, whatever. Um, if I didn't just, if I, you know, backed out of the marathon, whatever it, it, my life would still go on, but I'm starting to realize that I enjoy the pursuit of the thing rather than whatever comes afterwards, you know, in, in a weird way, because I remember, uh, kind of on the, on the topic of, of running and I, I don't want to be too much of a, you know, a broken record on this. Cause I've talked about it a little bit, um, you know, on the show before, but, um, I started running just because I wanted to say that I could run like that was it. I was like, I just want to be able to know that I can run a certain distance and do it. And I kind of fell in love with it, like through that process. And so now it's, it's become so much more beneficial because, I not only uh, I not only have a goal to chase afterwards, but like you said, you love to learn. So now you have a goal, but also the process of achieving that goal, you love doing it. And so you may not necessarily know what comes afterwards with in regards to the PhD, but that's not really the point of it. Uh, the point of it is to enjoy the process and to do whatever it is that you set out to do. And so that's that's really cool. That's inspiring, and um, I think that uh, that's just I don't know. That's just really cool. So I commend you for that, man. Well, thank you. And it is one of those things to where that's exactly the case. I remember somebody told me two things that I kind of live by. My dad, once again, telling me, you know, um, life is about living. And if living is getting up, going to work, working a nine to five, only to go home, take a nap and start all over again, what are you getting out of life? Mm -hmm. Right. And so and the other one is, you know, you should have more happy days than sad days. And if what you do make you happy, that's all that really matters. Yeah. And so as long as what makes you happy doesn't infringe upon somebody else's life, yeah. living in yeah. pursuit of happiness, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that, and that's kind of how I proceed into thinking through, you know, what I do because I have to wake up every day and have to go through the motions of my, you know, normal existence. I might as well have things in there to make me happy. Yeah. And I think that eventually when I do become Dr. Reginald Smith, it's that vanity piece of, oh, I'm mm -hmm. a doctor. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm also, but I'm going to be the humble doctor who's like, never, <laughs> never call me doctor, right? I'm just Reggie. So, you know, it is, it's, but it's the ability to have that to play yeah. with is what yeah. I really love. Yeah. And, and, and on that note, like this process, you know, when you, when you cross that stage, uh, you know, get your diploma or whenever they mail it to you, you know, six weeks later. Oh, I'm walking did, across that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you get your diploma, uh, you know, they, it will be for me, I think that it will be such a great experience. I would imagine for you because yes, you will have, you know, PhD after your name, Dr. Smith, and you know, it will, it could potentially open up doors for you in the future. But one of the main benefits I would imagine is you've proven to yourself that you can set out to do something above the normal call of, you know, call of duty, uh, you know, getting a PhD is no joke. I mean, in whatever field, uh, you know, whether it's medical or business or whatever, like it's, it's no joke. Uh, there's a reason why they don't just hand them out, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it could open up doors for you and it probably will. Um, but that may not be the biggest benefit. It may be the biggest benefit to show you that 
you can do these things. I mean, if you can accomplish that, well, what's stopping you from doing, you know, task A, B and C down the road, you know, even if you don't know what that is just yet. Uh, and so I love that, man. That's, that's inspiring. And I'll be honest. Um, how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 37. So I am 23 years old and, uh, it's something I'm learning in my life, uh, is the, the benefit of just doing something rather than, uh, you know, looking for, or not, and let me, let me rephrase, let me rephrase my statement. The benefit of doing it, even if you're not perfect at it, doing something, uh, even if you don't have all the answers just yet, even if you don't know necessarily what the next step is going to be in your case, you mentioned, you know, you want to get this PhD and it might open up some of the UTC or it might, you know, uh, you know, further your career at the Bethlehem center, but who knows? Um, for me, that's, incredibly inspiring because I don't have it all figured out. I mean, I'm a, like I said, I'm a 23 year old. I graduated college just two or three years ago. You know, it's, it's, um, there's a big wide world out there and there's a lot of things you can do. And so it can be very intimidating to feel like you have to have all the answers, but knowing that the process of just doing and seeking and learning is probably more beneficial than the actual accomplishment itself, uh, is, is really, really reassuring and really cool. So that's, that's awesome to see. It really is. And and so I'm, I'm gonna give an analogy to that too, that I, I hope you and your, uh, your viewers catch here, but do you remember years ago when you was real small as a kid, there was this place called uh, blockbuster video. Oh, uh, there was a blockbuster in my hometown. I'm, I'm very familiar with oh, blockbuster. Yeah. yeah so you yeah. get blockbuster. Oh, All yeah. right. So the idea here is that life is kind of like blockbuster video. Did you ever remember as a kid going in there and then I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that and I'm going to get this. Mm -hmm. But then you come out with something totally different. I'm, <laughs> I'm going in there to get this movie because I want to see this movie. Yeah. But they, but you had a coupon and you mm -hmm. rent two, you get one free. <laughs> and, the, and the stuff you come out of there is totally different. That's life. And when it mm -hmm. comes to careers, I mean, you're talking to a guy who in 18 was like, I'm going to West Point. I'm going to Annapolis. I want to be a military officer. And yeah, now I run the bit. Right. I mean, totally different career path. Right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a military officer and I wanted to, you know, run a uh, what they call those things. Um, I wanted to be in the medical service corps and I oh, wanted yeah. to, you know, lead troops in the medical field. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. No, that didn't happen. I went to UTC. I was in ROTC. I yeah. was in ROTC and I almost became that. But, um, you know, life's trajectory put me on a path to where I ended up in the school system. Mm -hmm. I ended up, you know, translating, you know, experience from the school system into, um, you know, the public sector in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that, to me now, I feel like I'm the captain of my own ship. Yeah. You know, I might not be in that uniform, but I'm doing something different. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, you know, life has a funny way of, of, of revealing to you better options for you, better suited for what you can do. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I agree. And so, uh, I have a kind of somewhat broad, but I think, uh, I imagine hope, hopefully a good transition question, uh, just with everything you have going on in your life right now, uh, you know, you're obviously working at the Beth, um, you know, you got a PhD going on and you had mentioned to me before this, some different businesses that you had worked on or are currently working on. And I definitely want to ask you about that in a little bit, but just in your life in general right now, what are you most excited about? Just like when you wake up, you got a lot of things going on, but just like what for you is the thing that excites you the most, whether it's a big project or maybe it's your daily job, just whatever it is. What is it for you that just excites you every day when you get up? So the most exciting thing that excites me right now is that when I wake up, it's four people in my bed. Oh, yeah. It's as crazy as that sounds, right? <laughs> and so I'm blessed to have uh, convinced a, a beautiful young lady uh, five years ago to marry me. 
Uh, what that is translated into is I have an 18 month old son. I thought you were about to say 18 kids for a second. I was oh like, no, 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 no. Okay. Wow. You've been, <laughs> you've been busy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. no, I have an 18 month old son yeah. and a five month old daughter. I love it. And that's awesome. And as of right now, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't do the right thing to <laughs> transition the son out of my bed and sleeping into his own crib. But he's every night like, no, I'm not going to sleep unless I'm next to y'all. Yeah. And then of course the five month old, you know, she's brand new. So she's with my wife all night nursing and everything. But they give me the greatest joy. Um, and it has also really, truly transitioned my mindset. It used to be, I, as if I ever write a book about my life, I have the different phases of my life. I remember when I was your age in the 20s, right? I was in the get it phase of life, get whatever it is that I want to get, get this, get that, get her, get this, get them, <laughs> you know. Now it's more of a, uh, okay, my life revolves around ensuring they have what they need, right? And so uh, it's really, really cool. So I go to work every day thinking, great, I'm here. Yes, I'm supposed to serve my community and support the, you know everybody else's children and help everybody else. And I earn the privilege to go home to my children mm -hmm. when I've done a great job. Yeah. So that's what gives me my greatest joy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so I do want to ask you this now because I've, I've asked this to some people and uh, you know, you're a relatively new, uh, new father now, and I'm not, I'm not a parent. Um, and so from someone who is not a parent to someone who's a new, new parent, how for you has fatherhood just changed your life in general? Uh, has it impacted you in ways that you weren't ready for us or, or, or weren't expecting us? I guess I should say, uh, aside from just, you know, knowing that you're a father and that you have more mouths to feed and that you're responsible for other people. Has it, has it impacted your, your life in ways that you weren't anticipating necessarily? In every aspect whatsoever. <laughs> and like I said, I, I just told you, I was in the get it phase. I'm yeah. like, right, I was, yeah. I, I'm going to go here. I'm going to jump on a plane and yeah. travel here. Everything now requires consideration of the other. And when I say the other, I mean my kids and my wife, right? So um, no longer can I play the game of, oh, okay, great. I got a Delta Sky Miles credit card. I get my Sky Miles. I'm flying everywhere I want to go for free. Mm -hmm. No, I'm yeah. taking them with me, and they require another ticket too. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, the Sky Miles don't travel, much, right? <laughs> or, or they are sitting in my lap, and they don't have a plane ticket. But mm -hmm. I mean, I'm locked down with a kid in my lap the whole flight. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, but I love every bit of it. Mm -hmm. But yes, no, it, everything is different. Uh, I mean, different considerations, right? Um, I use planes because. I travel a lot, mm -hmm. and I've been fortunate enough to travel with my really tiny children to mm -hmm. some wonderful places. I'm actually getting on a plane Friday and heading to St. Lucia. So, where, you know, where I've I've heard that name. Where is that at? So St. Lucia's uh, St. Lucia is in the Caribbean. Caribbean. It's one of the one of the southernmost islands. It's yeah. directly south of Barbados. No, it's directly north of Barbados. Yeah, and um, yeah. It's going to be really, really cool. But is that is that going to be a vacation spot or is it? Yes. Nice. Yes. nice. A friend of mine uh, decided he wanted to get married after he's been married for three years. Uh, <laughs> pandemic marriage type of deal, right? Yeah. yeah. And so um, we're, we're going down to St. Lucia. Um, but it's a military operation to yeah. get a kid, you know, with their passport. <laughs> Meanwhile, they can't even hold their passport, right? Um, you know, on a plane. But my wife is the, you know. Packing everything. I came home was a box that had a, it was made by Jeep, but it was a, a beach wagon. And I'm like, how are we supposed to get that there? Are we going to put that in the check luggage? Like, I mean, you know, it's something like we got to carry out this stuff to the airport. Yeah. Like, what's going on? But yeah, everything requires more of me, right? So, um, in terms of, you know, ensuring, even now to my health, like I'm sitting here listening to you saying that you're getting ready to run a marathon, I'm preparing to run a 5K with my staff at work. 
because two two reasons. Mm-hmm. The the organizational reason is, well, we want to be more involved in the community. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna go support another nonprofit, yeah. the Ronald McDonald Run for Kids. There you right. Go. Yeah. The other side reason is that I need to get my butt up and I need to be more active mm-hmm. because I am an old parent. I'm 37 <laughs> years old with my first, you know, I was 36 years old with my first kid. Yeah. Now, um, you know, I, I need to really truly refocus my attention toward ensuring I'm healthy. So yeah. I need to run a 5K because that's a good way to get back in shape, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing that because I look at these children and realize I got to be there for them. Yeah. And so everything, even down to the food that I eat now, to the conversations I'm having with my personal, you know, physicians and doctors, how, how do I make sure and ensure that I'm healthy enough to be able to raise them for the next 25 years so that 25 years from now I can say, great, I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. Y'all can go and be great. Yeah. Um, those are the things that I think through that are, um, you know, really, really important as a new father because I have to, one, yeah, make sure I'm there for them. But make sure that I'm mentally, physically, and spiritually prepared to be an effective, loving, supportive father for mm-hmm. them. It's cool, you know. I've, I've, uh, I love the way. Well, first thing, uh, you you described your uh, experience preparing for going down to St. Lucia as a military operation. And my, my first thought, uh, the reason I laughed when, when you said military operation, my first thought was, oh, his friend is like in the military or something, and they're going and like getting married on a military base or something, and then. <laughs> <laughs> you described it as a as a military operation, and I just got a I got a good get a good laugh out of that. That was pretty good. Yeah, I got TD and <laughs> and uh, you know logistics, right? I mean, this is how do we get from from this point to that point in this period of time yeah. safely, right? Yeah. No, yeah. it's just, this is a it's a it's it's an operation. That's pretty funny. Um, it, but it's funny, you know. I've I have uh, had the privilege of speaking with a couple different people on the show. Um, and, and some of them have become, uh, you know, in that time have, be, have become new parents. Uh, you know, one of the guys I spoke to, I'm fairly certain he had his first child and I, I don't even, it may have recently turned one, uh, I forget, but neither here nor there. Uh, it, it was cool to see how, you know, like you said, everything they do now is centered around what they can do for their family. And, you know, on the outside looking in, that may sound a little weird because it's like, oh, it's like, you know, I, do I do I want to center my life around this? But as I'm getting older and again, I don't have uh, I don't have kids of my own, but as I'm getting older, I'm beginning to understand that sentiment a, a little bit more because intuitively I know it. But experientially, you know, one of the one of the biggest times I ever realized, like I, I'd begun to feel and experience the fact that the things that I do and the actions I take on a daily basis is bigger than just me was my college graduation. And the reason why it it hit me so hard for whatever reason was, you know, we were at UTC and, uh, we were, you know, down in like in the middle of where the, where the court normally is, you know, they got everybody up on stage and we had went and got our diplomas and everything. We go back to our seats and whoever it was came out and started speaking again. And, and they asked for all the families and everybody in the stadium to stand up and give a, give a standing ovation. And it was just cool because I recognized that, yes, I was the one in the classroom doing the things and, you know, writing the reports and so on and so forth. But if it wasn't for those people in that crowd, parents, family members, friends, so on, I wouldn't have been there because there was a lot of things they did for me behind the scenes that I wasn't aware of or I knew of, but I didn't realize the extent to what they had done. And yes, like I said, I was the one in the class doing the things, but that's only a part of it. And it hit me like this thing we call life is more than just 
the things I do for myself. Yes, I need to take care of myself and, you know, focus on being the best version of myself that I can be. But kind of what you just, uh, you talked about a little bit, the things we do are not just confined to ourself. And I think that's somewhat of a kind of a beautiful realization to come to, because for me, you know, there've been a lot of ups and downs in my life in the past couple of years, but the more I accept the reality that my life is not just about myself, the better it becomes in a way, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot more fulfilling. And so I, I totally resonate with that in kind of a, a little bit of a different way, you know? Yeah, no, I, t- I totally understand <laughs> that. That's, that's real. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, something I do want to ask you about now that you, uh, you, you mentioned it at the beginning. So tell me a little bit about what you had, uh, you, before we started, uh, you had mentioned some different kind of businesses you had been, you had <laughs> yeah. been, or are currently working on here in the, in the Chattanooga community. Just tell me about those. If you don't mind, I'm, I'm curious to learn a little bit about them. So my friends and I, we, we kind of consider ourselves like the un, unsurprising, right? Serial entrepreneurs, uh, in, in different, different veins. We, so side note, I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, came here to go to school. My friend network, was literally people I went to college with, members of my fraternity. Um, we were all sitting down one day and realized, why is it that people like me leave Chattanooga? You know, well, you know, if you get a good job here, you know, why would you, if you have a good job, decide to leave? And we feel, you know, I guess at the time, we felt our social lives kind of were, you know, only the people in our orbit. And so we were trying to figure out what did we need to do to break outside of our own orbit or bring other people into our orbit? Like, what's mm-hmm. going on? So what we identified was, you know, as an African-American man, um, in Chattanooga, there are pockets of black people. There's black people here, right? You know, but what do we need to do to kind of connect the African-American community with the greater world in which we're in? Mm-hmm. Right, I'm an executive director of a nonprofit. My other friend is an engineer at TVA. My other friend and frat brother, he, you know, he works in, uh, you know, he was a police officer at the time. You know, we, we had all these different friends that are doing the various different things. I have another one that works in social media and works in nonprofits. We were figuring out ways to where, how do we enlighten African-Americans about all the wonderful things happening in Chattanooga to stay in Chattanooga. So we created an organization called Noir Nuga. Mm-hmm. Noir simply being black, Nuga's slang for Chattanooga, right? Yeah. And the logic was that if we actually were able to curate events to where we connect African-Americans with the greater city of Chattanooga, connect them with the wonderful things going on downtown, connect with the people that's doing the wonderful stuff at the Hunter Museum with black professionals at the Hunter, connect that professional class of people together to be able to do, you know, real cool things that historically maybe African-Americans wouldn't branch out to do. Mm-hmm. We, we're in a wonderful scenic city of Chattanooga, but how many people actually, you know, go rock climbing? You know, a lot of people, but how many African-Americans do? Why don't we push people toward that direction? And that's where we pretty much started. We found restaurants that were willing to allow us to come in and bring, you know, um, you know, specially curated events to their space. And everything was working really, really great until the pandemic happened. <laughs> so we had to re-strategize, <laughs> like most companies. And um, because of that, we we started taking a look at, well, what different types of entrepreneurial endeavors could Noir Nuga, you know, help support? It wasn't necessarily about us being a business to be, you know, to make money, right? We actually took the wrong approach to doing it, right? We we looked at how can we help small businesses, you know, successfully survive. So what Noir Nuga really truly is is a small black media company. We want to support people who we know don't have marketing budgets. We help them with their social media. We help them get in front of audiences that they truly want to be in front of, but don't really know know how to do. And what that has ventured into 
is truly allowing us to connect with uh, local small restaurants, local small other black businesses, and really truly push them um, to be in front of different audiences. And we've been really successful with that. One group that we connected with was kind of the, the black artist community in town. Um, we have a wonderful artist community, black, white, Latino, mm-hmm. all, everybody oh, yeah. in town. Well, I met this young lady. She told me she was a starving artist. Okay, me, the, you know, you know, public administrator, you know, <laughs> it, it might resonate put on, with and put, Yeah, put on your, put on your, your, you know, master's degree hat on for just a second, you know. Yeah, like, well, you know, well, if you're a starving artist, explain that concept to me. And so she explained, well, I, you know, I, I paint my paintings, then I sell them. And uh, then I have to go make another painting and I sell it again, but it might be a while before I sell it. So I was like, well, that's very unsustainable. <laughs> I can help you with that. So uh, my friends and I, we created a, you know, kind of under the Noir New Gun moniker, um, an organization called Three Bridges Apparel. Simply put, we take local artists' artwork, mm-hmm. we put it on apparel, mm-hmm. and we sell it. It's just that simple. Nice. Which means the artist gets to sell it over and yeah. over and over yeah. and over again. And if the artist is actually, you know, um, you know, pushing their artwork through that separate different medium, I mean medium, they're able to make a pretty lucrative, you know, residual income off of it. And then we just kind of set up the back end and, and and it worked out really, really well for us as well. And that allows us to fund the fun stuff we want to do, like creating of the excursions to where we can go, you know, take, you know, in, people interested in connecting with mm-hmm. the greater city of Chattanooga, white water rafting and mm-hmm. canoeing and, uh, you know, playing airsoft or something yeah, like random yeah, stuff like yeah. that, going to cool restaurants that they've never been to before. Yeah. And then lastly, we created uh, under the same vein, uh, even odds digital um, coming out of the need to support individuals on the marketing side of things. You know, we have a production house to where we can, you know, create, you know, small commercials for people that we can run on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, help them with uh, creating their own podcast and actually, um, you know, you know, recording the podcast for them and things of that nature. And so, yeah, we're kind of all over the place <laughs> and, and it's because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Know? That's awesome. Uh, the, the first thing going through my head is I need to get you in touch with somebody. You may already, you, you probably already know him. Does the, does the name, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this, but does the name Moise Baptiste ring? Tr- does that sound familiar to you at all? <clears throat> Moise Baptiste, Dr. Baptiste. Yes. Okay. Is, yeah. So he's a, he's a friend of mine. I was about to say, I was like, I need to get yeah. you in touch with him. And so actually, so he has trailblazed us yes. outdoors yes. and trailblaze us outdoors is who we partner with when we go rock climbing yeah uh, he'll be the first to tell you man we went out here with noah nuga we went to uh what was it we went white water rafting yeah up on the okoe yeah and man we had he had a gopro on his head and we have all, we were gonna have all this great footage <laughs> yeah all of us ended up outside the boat yeah and we lost the gopro <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah dog moise is he's a friend he's actually planning a wonderful trip to africa yeah. i don't know if they're gonna be able to go this year or if it's next year or when it yeah but uh, I'm finishing this PhD, so I don't, I can't go. <laughs> and I got these two little kids, and I can't take them with me right now to there. But yeah, well, no, we're all about that type of stuff. And like, I'm, we're gonna connect with him to do some other stuff. They have this Black Ski Weekend thing that's taking place in Gatlinburg. So for some of us that have been skiing in other places, we don't really know about Gatlinburg for skiing, mm-hmm. but. We would love to take a bus trip there. And the whole purpose of this, when we say, you know, it's Black Ski Weekend, well, it's Chattanooga. We're not trying to say, well, only do black people. What we're really trying to get is black people outside of their shell to do different things. We want to connect with everybody. So if any of your listeners want to show up to Gatlinburg with us and on a bus trip, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a big, you know, party. It's a really, really good chance for Chattanoogans to really have a good time and be together and and go skiing. Yeah, well, it's cool because... 
And the reason I bring him up is, you know, I could tell that you, if, if you didn't know him, I was like, I, you know, you all seem like you would get along very easily. Uh, but I actually had the privilege of, of meeting, uh, with, with Dr. Mo and, and, and speaking with him, uh, before, uh, and doing an interview with him. And he was just a very, just, just a great guy. Uh, but just his excitement and the way he described what he did was really interesting to me because I'm not originally from Chattanooga. Um, I'm from an hour up the road. Uh, you know where Athens, Tennessee is? Okay, so I'm around Athens. Uh, my The town I'm from is a very, very small town. Uh, we we famously have one stoplight, about 1,000 people. Uh, it's a tiny little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, that's yeah it's, it's, it's a tiny <laughs> little town, yeah. Um, and so, but it's funny, like, you know, you mentioned the Ocoee. I mean, I live, I grew up right next to it. I mean, I'm a county away from it. We would go, I've been to it many times. I live at the foot of the, you know, the mountains. I mean, that that's that's what I grew up around. You know, I've, I've, I've always spent time in the outdoors and going and doing things out there and going on hikes and going swimming. And so whenever I initially spoke with him, I was curious just because the way when I, when I learned about him, I was curious about him just because his business seemed just very interesting to me. It was like, we're just taking people outside. And I was like, you can, you can do that. Like, you know, like what, what, what is it about that? What, why are you doing it in this manner? And when I spoke with him, it was really cool for him to explain it to me the way that he did, because I, like I said, I grew up in a very small town, predominantly Caucasian town. And I, you know, coming here to Chattanooga, I didn't real, like as silly as it sounds, I didn't realize that one people that live here in the city don't have those same experiences. But two, as you mentioned, there, there are predominant, you know, working class communities of, of African-Americans and, and Latinos and, and people of all different creeds and colors that st- that also do not get to experience these things as much as, you know, I was fortunately able to uh, where I grew up. And so it, it, you know, opened me up to the fact that people don't get to have this benefit. And we live in a, you know, here in Chattanooga, it's kind of known as like the city where you can go hiking and rafting and stuff, you know, but like it's right here, but it's, if you're not aware of how close it is to you, as silly as it sounds, you may never go and experience those things. And it really can change your life. You know, just being out in the world and seeing the beauty of the world around us. It's, it's, it's really cool. So I'm glad to hear that, uh, you're, you're a part of that. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, that's really cool and really, really cool to hear. And you know, what's really unique about that, cause that goes back kind of segue back into what I do at the Bethlehem center. So a lot of the children that I serve, unfortunately grew up in poverty. Right. Um, but they live at the base of lookout mountain, which, so you, you take a, uh, a really good look at the demographics of or the economics rather of probably one of the most affluent zip codes in our region and literally the poorest zip code in our region. And they live at the base of a mountain. And most of those children, I'm going to say 90% of them have never been on top of that mountain to actually see the view of Chattanooga from that height. That's a big deal. You have people who live in the city who never been on the Tennessee river. They may have driven over it, Possibly, but um, we're even tracking data that, that that shows children who live within a certain zip code that we serve, they have not been to the mall. I mean, that's oh, like out in Hamilton Place. Yeah, they've not been to the mall, right? Um, I remember when I was in the school system, I uh, we took a group of children to Chicago. Not Chicago, excuse me, uh, Washington D.C. And when we took them to Washington D.C., you know, they were so eager to learn and see so much because they literally never left town. Um, so now we fast forward that to adults. Okay, most adults are setting their ways. I'm a black guy from Memphis, Tennessee, right? We have a river in Memphis. It's called the Mississippi River. I don't know if you've ever seen it. 
I have I have briefly I've driven over it. Yeah. Uh, yes, you ain't getting out of canoeing, kayaking, <laughs> and paddleboarding on it. So when I came here and saw people paddleboarding on the Tennessee River, I'm perplexed. <laughs> I didn't quite understand what they're doing. Like, do they have a death wish? Did they not know of riptides? <laughs> right? You know, these are the things that I'm reconciling because yeah. I know what a river is. I'm yeah. highly intelligent. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have a yeah. PhD one day. <laughs> you know, but it took me to. Befriend people who are different than me. Yeah. For them to tell me, no, this is a good river. That that's a dirty river, right? You, yeah. know, you don't get on on that one. Yeah. But this one you can do these things. And it took me to take a class to learn, oh, this is what you do. This is how it works. You know, uh, shout out to UTC and all their HHP stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even now the hiking signal point and all that, it's intimidating if you've never been hiking to yeah. know how to hike. Yeah. So you have to get with somebody like Mo mm-hmm. who shows you this is what you do. Don't come out here wearing your Jordans. <laughs> you know, throw on some old beat up tennis shoes, get you some good new balances or some hiking shoes yeah. and come out here on these trails. Yeah. Now it's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So when you think about populations of people and, you know, it's not just, you know, the black or the Latino. It's, it's a lot of people who just if you're a city dweller, you don't do it outside in the country. Mm-hmm. If you're from the country, there's a whole lot of stuff you don't do in the city. So, you know, how do we bridge that gap but bring everybody together to where, you know, we're experiencing new experiences together and doing like we said earlier, mm-hmm. right? Experiencing life for what life is meant to be, which mm-hmm. is lived. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's that's exciting. And uh, it's, it's cool from, you know, from my perspective, just because um, I've had been fortunate enough to kind of live on both extremes. Like I said, I come from a very, very, very small town. You know, I'll, I'll hear people sometimes be like, you know, I'll, I'll meet them and they'll be like, yeah, I'm from a small town in East Tennessee. I'm like, oh, where? And like, um, you ever heard of Chattanooga? I'm like, no, 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 you don't, you haven't seen small, if you think this is a small town, you haven't seen it just yet, you know? Um, so, I mean, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to see kind of the both extremes. I know there's bigger cities in Chattanooga, of course, but it's it's really interesting to see, like you said, you know, if you're if you live in the country, the city seems very intimidating. You know, big buildings and stuff, and like people cram together. It's like, what's going on? Um, I, I feel very fortunate to be able to have seen kind of both, uh, kind of both poles of it, you know. Um, and so that's really cool. I'm glad that I'm I'm, I'm very glad that you you know uh, Mo and, and just what he's going on because he's. I really think what he's doing is is important, but it's very unique as well. Like I've never heard of someone starting a company like that, that's designed to bring communities that aren't, you know, as privy to the outdoors and just take them out outdoors. Whenever it was funny, the, um, the first time I ever spoke with him, it was over a zoom call and I was just talking with him to see if he'd be interested in doing an interview. And he was like over in Kenya and he was like, Hey, can you hear me? Okay. And I said, yeah, I can, I can hear you. And he said, okay, good. I'm over here in Kenya right now. And I don't know if I have great internet connection. I was like, what are you doing in Kenya? And I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't anticipating you being that far over there. So it was, it was cool seeing someone as passionate about something that seems so simple, but is so you know, uh, profound, it has such a profound impact on the people's lives, you know? Right. And, and you brought up a good point too, with, with him being over mm-hmm. there and, and doing all of that. And I'm going to encourage you to do this. I, so like you say, you showed me extremes of, you know, the Chattanooga versus your hometown. I was, I was fortunate enough. Now at the Beth, I took some students to Chicago and the conversations that I had with my Chattanooga students about Chicago because they were just like, Oh, what in the world? You know, what is this? This place is huge. What is this? skyscrapers, you know, why doesn't Chattanooga have skyscrapers? No, the question was, why aren't Chattanooga skyscrapers as tall? And I was explaining, because <laughs> Chattanooga don't have skyscrapers. Right? <laughs> we might have a few tall buildings, right? Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, to that same vein, travel does that. And so, like, while you are young uh, and you, you're able to experience things and you're still developing how you see the world, get out of the country. See different things. 
Because by doing that, one, it gives you a great appreciation for our own country that we live in, but it also shows you, you know what, over here is cool to something different. And when you experience different cultures and eat different cuisine and go different places, um, you know, it really truly opens your mind. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's my big experience thing for children now. How do I get children to experience that, right? But in my own personal life, I've been blessed to travel extensively outside of the country. And I remember I had no desire whatsoever. It was only like two European countries that I really wanted to go to. It was like, I don't really, it's, Europe seems cold. I don't want to go there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I'm like, if it's, I want to go to Rome because I want to see the Vatican. Yeah. I want to yeah. do, you know, the, the Rome thing. Yeah. When and, in Rome. You yeah. Know. When in Rome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it was, um, I wanted to go there and I wanted to go to Paris. Yeah. And so I've been to Paris, but okay. I haven't been to Rome yet. But it took me to go to London. And go to England. I, I went to Bath, and I went to um, what was it? Um, uh, went to Stonehenge, and went to all these different places in 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 the UK. And I was like, oh my god, it's a lot out there that, as much as I think I know, and as much as I think that I you know I understand, I just don't. Yeah. And then I get there, and I realize you know they equally are interested in meeting Americans because. They want to, you know, you know, try to reconcile what they think yeah. versus what the television says, yeah. right? Versus yeah. when you meet me as a person, it's like, yeah. huh, because we, you know, we speak English, but we don't speak English, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, we eat food, but we don't eat British type of food. Yeah. And yeah. you go to Paris, it's a totally different thing, yeah. right? You travel in South America or the Caribbean or my favorite country, Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you want to experience peace, mm -hmm. go to Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I'm not as fortunate as Mo. I haven't been to Kenya yet. <laughs> I haven't been to Africa. I'm trying to make my way to that continent. But by going out of the country, the same way you reconciled, you know, you know, being able to experience the wonderful things you were able to experience growing up and then coming to the city and being able to experience, you know, the Chattanooga city life. Yeah. Yeah. Spend time other places. And it, it will definitely, it, it, it goes back to show you how vast and how great God's world is mm -hmm. because you're able to see you know, and experience so many cool things and meet so many new people. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just a really cool thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because so funny enough, I'm getting married in July. Um, well, good. And, Congratulations. Well, thank, thank you very much. Uh, I'm getting married in July and I'm actually going honeymooning in Paris. So uh, now just on a, on a, on a selfish note, I want to ask what are some things I should know before I go over there okay. aside from like, see the Eiffel Tower and go to the go to the Louvre or maybe don't. I don't know. What what's your your expert opinion? I believe they're closed on Tuesdays, so don't show up on a Tuesday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mistake. Yeah, the Louvre was yeah, we were like, yeah, we're going to the Louvre. They're like, no, we closed. I'm like, what so check the date. I might be wrong. It might be Monday. I don't know it was whatever day we were yeah, gonna go yeah. there, it, they were closed. Yeah. Um it's <laughs> be prepared to be underwhelmed. Be underwhelmed. I mean you okay, excuse me. No. Be prepared to be it's you I mean it, it <laughs> Hey, you can you can you can give me the harsh truth. It's, it's okay. dirty. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's just it's not. I mean, it's like it's like you you now and and it's one of those places to where yeah. depending on how much money you're spending, yeah, I yeah, you're gonna have a different type of experience. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We literally threw that in last minute because we were like, let's take the Eurostar. That's the next thing. If you're going to Paris, mm -hmm. depending on how long you're there, you can take the Eurostar and see any other European country mm -hmm. within that range that yeah. you want to. I highly recommend you do that. Mm -hmm. um, Eurostar has a I mean, it's a train. Mm -hmm. It's a very it's a high speed rail train. But, um, you know, um, we went from London to Paris. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, you go under the English Channel. That's the only reason I want to do it. I'm yeah, like, oh, you want to go under the English channel. channel? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and of course, I wanted to see the Eiffel Tower. The hotel we stayed at was wonderful. There was no air conditioning. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> that, that, that is cool one thing that I'm I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for because I know that it's the climate's different over there. So that's there's a reason why like a lot of the buildings are old. So like I understand, you know, not everybody over there is just burning up to death. But I am a and very, you don't need it. It yeah. wasn't really like hot hot. I think yeah. we went in June. Yeah. Yeah, we went in June yeah. of 2018, and it was okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the, you know, Notre Dame, um, it caught on fire. Yeah. Were you there when that happened? No. It, oh. it happened, I think, a year or two after we oh, okay. left. It yeah. happened, I think, in 2020, it caught on fire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, bad year for everything yeah. in 2020. But it's cool. Um, the food is great. Just know what you order. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm excited for that. We've, uh, I've... Yeah. I've made some res- that's been kind of my job so far at the, at the current uh you know wedding and, and honeymooning planning process is getting reservations and stuff so I've been like looking into restaurants and seeing what all we want to go and try out so I'm very much looking forward to that. You know, I, I wasn't a fan. I'm a fan of getting on foot and walking. Yes. I do recommend you get on the big red bus. <laughs> the, the See everything yeah. first. Yeah. Then the, you know, okay, cool. We're going to because that gives you a good overview of everything. Yeah. Um I can't pronounce it. My wife, if she's listening to this, she's going to be like, yep, that Reggie messing that up too. But the uh, shop, the d- 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 that thing. Yes. While the shops are. Yes. Yeah, hide your credit card from your wife. Yeah. Um, it's like Champ d'Elysee. Yeah. yeah, that thing. Yeah. yeah. Champ d'Elysee. Yeah. yeah. Um, where you have all the high-end fashion houses yes. and all this stuff that, yeah, it's expensive. It's really expensive. Yeah. Might be cheaper now. I think it's some parody going on with the yeah. US dollar and the, yeah. and the euro. So yeah. you might look up. But uh, <laughs> no, but it was really, really nice. They are rude. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Rude. I and didn't know that. They act like they don't speak English <laughs> until you start talking. Like, I remember one funny moment. We went to this little place and we were eating, and they act like they didn't know what we were saying until we we at the table got to arguing with, you know, it's rude to tip in France, so don't leave a tip. The man said, no, you can tip here. You can tip. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's paying, he spoke English then. And so we just thought that was real funny. But I know Paris is a really beautiful place. And I said, I wanted to get to Paris, yeah. um, get outside of the city of Paris and yeah. go to some of the other places. We we are we're planning on for so we'll be there for about a week. Initially, we had thought about going spending part of the time in Paris and part of the time in London. We ultimately decided just to stay in Paris just because we'll be traveling a day over and we want to just not to have to go too much. But I've already promised I will be making a trip to London at some point because I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, almost do it and then never do it ever again. So you're already over there. Yeah, I think it was 39 euros each way. Mm-hmm. You get on the train. I'm gonna give you a hotel to stay at because because once again hotels are different in London. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're gonna get this you know <laughs> wonderful suite. Mm, you're not uh, <laughs> unless you stay at certain places. And yeah, I hope yeah. they're still open now. But there was a um, hotel there. Oh, name. Uh, um, Oh, I forgot the name of the hotel. I'm at the college back back about it, but it was really really great. Uh, we stayed there for one night because there was a problem with our reservation in the middle of our. Yeah, vacation, right? Yeah, we had yeah. every day reserved except for this one day in the middle, and we were like, "What? What do you mean? Yeah, we got here to here, but not here to here." Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, it was really, really um, the Ecclesian is the name of the hotel, and the building is so. What you'll find is a lot of old buildings that have been retrofitted to fit other purposes now, and. A lot of buildings have basements, and like a basement is like a subfloor where you can take the elevator down, and the hotel rooms in the basement. Really weird, freaked me out, but it was real nice. Um, but the building we were in was actually Winston Churchill's home during World War II, wow. and so that was like really, really cool. So it's like cool. it's a row house type of deal. Yeah. The building, one of the units was his home. Yeah, the hotel was in the building, in the unit next to it, and it was like really great. Wow, it was the Ecclesian, uh, my first time on the one of those. 
adjustable base beds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the one that just I called it the fold you up five thousand. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it had a vibrate feature and it was the three D TV. It was really really nice. Yeah. Um, don't expect that in all the hotels. But, yeah, yeah. You know, find and if you can get something in, um, you know, get get a hotel around the Piccadilly Square, or Piccadilly yeah. Circus yeah. area, um, because that's where all the action is happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, any Broadway play you want to see, mm-hmm. you can see it over there for a whole lot cheaper. Really? Yeah. I mean, in London, I mean, we kicking myself because I'm a big fan of Hamilton, <laughs> and I was like, I'm they're, gonna they're see coming, it. they're coming to the Tivoli. I heard, uh, like next year, or the year after. I heard, yeah, I'll be in there singing, <laughs> singing all the songs. But while we were in London, it was like tickets were like six bucks or six euros. Wow. I mean, it was cheap. It was like, yeah, cheap. yeah, yeah. It was, of course, the the London cast, so nobody cared. Yeah, and this yeah. was 2018 before it became a you know. Super, super popular and super. Yeah, um, it really blew up in 2020 when yeah, everybody had nothing but time. And, yeah, yeah, uh, and Disney remade the movie. Yeah, yeah, or, or you know, Disney film. Yeah, but the thing about it was that there were all these. I mean, they had Chicago, they had Cats. They had, I mean, I don't know about Cats. It was some other one, the big name one. But they're all there, and they're cheaper. Definitely go to the museums. If, like I said, as much as I was so happy to go to Paris, mm-hmm. London was the, the spot. Mm-hmm. We went to the um, British Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it's called, the British Museum. Yeah, we came up with what are the, or, you know, what are the British really known for? And yeah. the only thing me and my wife could walk away with is stealing everybody else's stuff. Other people they stole everything. <laughs> the sun didn't set on the British Empire, and the whole time <laughs> they were taking everything and bringing it back to life. I saw I saw something the other day, and it said uh, it said why are why are the pyramids still in Egypt? And it said because they're too heavy to move to one of the British museums. <laughs> that is, I mean, as you will see that. I thought, I mean, you know, honestly, if if they were, you know, if you could pick them up and move them, they would probably be in a museum somewhere. I mean, the amount of coffins <laughs> or, or sarcophagus from Egypt, but they got some of everybody. It's yeah. like uh, Roman people, the mummified Romans. I mean, yeah. they got some of everything in there. They they was like brought it back. That's crazy. Place. But I will definitely. I'm like I, said, I like military history and things. I would definitely tell you to see the changing of the guard. But I was the type of person who I watched all the YouTube videos so I would know what was going on. I knew the cadences. I knew why they did what they did. To see the changing of the guard in person is to me was life changing. And I've been to Arlington National Cemetery and seen hours, but to see the British, you know, the Grenadier Guards do their thing. But to go to the Grenadier Guards Museum, it was also a life changing event for me because you get to read and see in person their perspective on the Revolutionary War. Really? Because think about, you know, as Americans, we read, we know exactly what happened. We kind of flex our muscles, you know, when it comes to Revolutionary War. Yeah, because, you know, hey, we decided to come over here and we threw the tea party, the Boston Tea Party, (laughs) and, you know, we kicked them people out of our country. I I literally just this past week got back from vacation in Boston, and they're they're very proud of the Revolutionary War up there. Let me tell you, they're very proud of it. (laughs) Go to London's War Museum and listen to their story. (laughs) We've sent over battalions of troops to... Um, you know, squashed the rebellion in the rebellion states in America. Yeah. And we got tired of fighting them, so we left. <laughs> That's literally <laughs> the way they say, they see it. And it was like, yeah, we didn't lose the war. We just got tired of, we let them have that little experiment. And now they're America, our greatest ally and friend. That is like, hilarious. And so to reconcile the two histories was cool. But yeah, I, by all means, I hope you enjoy yourself on yeah. your, your honeymoon. Yeah. But yeah, if you can't go there, if you can, if you can convince your wife to, to, to go to any of those other places. Yes. I mean, you got Germany right there. Mm-hmm. You got Amsterdam right there. I, I live by the motto right now. If I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to come through here. So yeah. I'm enjoy as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're on a honeymoon, so enjoy your wife. Yes. But 
you really don't need to do too much sleeping. Y'all can yeah. be on the go. You yeah. need to see, you need to build those memories. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm really excited for. Something we do have planned that's outside of the city is we're going to Versailles. The, oh, yes, uh, the yes, yes, yes. I'm good, good, very, good. very excited about that. It's beautiful. We it had, is extremely beautiful. We had talked about potentially going, because I'm also, uh, I really enjoy military history a lot. We had talked about going and trying to make the trip out to Normandy, and we could, but we, I mean, we still could, but we need to, it'll be more than just a, you know, trip out and trip back. It's a it's a pretty hefty trip all the way out there um, to the to the D-Day Memorial and everything. Um, but I'm really, really excited for it. I've been out of the country before, but I've never been to Europe, and so I'm very excited to go and see what's all see what all is over there and see what's going on. Definitely go see and enjoy yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited for it. Um, well, before we start to finish up, uh, I just want to first say thank you uh, just for coming in. It's been a delightful conversation. Uh, a lot of the best conversations I've had the privilege of having are ones where I will come in and I'll have these different questions that I'm ready to, you know, ask and say, and we start talking and it goes a completely different direction, but in a good way. And I'm, uh, thank you for that because, uh, I love just learning on the spot and hearing people's stories and, and hearing what they have to say and, and kind of, uh, being, you know, being surprised and, and getting to learn about, you know, the, the guest every single time. So thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a, been a pleasure so far. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we finish, um, kind of a tradition with the show, something I like to do, uh, I like to finish each interview off with a little segment I call 15 quick questions. And so, uh, if you don't mind, I want to ask you 15 quick questions. There'll be this or that questions. Uh, and so these are totally unrelated to everything we've been talking about so far. Uh, but I just want to hear your thoughts, uh, on these questions and, and, you know, get your, get your thoughts on, on all these different things. So that sound good to you? Sounds great to me. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is 15 quick questions. Uh, first question, beach vacation or mountain vacation? Ooh, I don't know who you ask. You ask me and my wife. I'm going to say, <laughs> if, 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 if it's you, just you deciding. Just you me know. deciding. Yeah. I'm going to say mountains. Nice. Any, so now I'm curious, would you, are you particular to Rocky Mountains, Appalachian Mountains? No, I'm getting out of the country. I'm going to the going to different, co- totally going different to country. Some volcanic mountains in the yeah. in the, in the, in the <laughs> what is Arnau volcano region. I just yeah. So I love it. That's awesome. Um, all right, which do you prefer, hot coffee or iced coffee? Hot coffee, me too. I my my fiance gives me a hard time. She claims I have like a like a leather tongue or something because I'll just like get you know piping hot coffee and you know blowing it a couple times and then just sh- yeah. go to town on it. And that's just I don't know. That's just the way I am. So I can't do the iced coffee. I'm not made that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, which season do you prefer? Summer, fall, winter, or spring? I'm going to be real with you. Fall. I love, yeah, I'm a big fall fan. And I think it's wardrobe based. Yes. Fall and winter, I get You're to. speak in my language. Yeah, I get yeah. to. You know, you, you, you layers. The and yeah. The, yeah, with the, with the scarf. Yeah. I'm I'm partial to turtlenecks now. Like, yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fall and winter guy. I always have been. Uh, even though I'm not in school anymore, I loved snow days when I was younger. I mean, it's just everything about it is, is you're, you're speaking my language. Um, all right. Which do you prefer, sweet or savory food? If you had to pick one right now. Unfortunately, sweet. <laughs> I can see why I got to get myself in the, uh, back running again. I'm right, I'm right there with you. So I, I understand. Uh, in your opinion, are Crocs fashionable? Yes or no? No, no not at all. Never, never, never. <laughs> you never owned a pair before? No. Not even like a pair with like the fur lining on the inside? Never. Now, my <laughs> wife will tell you if I'm running outside, I'm going to throw on hers right quick yeah. and oh, so, <laughs> take so out the is garbage. She, is, she, is she a big Crocs fan? She's not a big Crocs fan, but she owns a pair too. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Um, all right. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes or no? No. <sighs> Man, I'm a big pineapple on pizza fan. That uh, that hurts me. That hurts my, hurts my soul. Hurts who I am. 
I love I love pineapple. I've never tried any other fruits on pizza though, so I don't know how that one fruit made it on. But I'm a big big fan of it. I, but but I will tell you this. So I'm as I've aged, my uh, taste buds have changed, mm-hmm. and I am. I bought a smoker. I bought one of those pellets. Oh, I'm nice. Know that and so. I put a whole pineapple out there on the smoker and just let it smoke. Really? And then sprayed it with uh, brown sugar water mm-hmm. while it was smoking. Yeah. Oh, it came out delicious. Mm-hmm. Does not belong on pizza, but I'll make a brisket next to it. <laughs> so, I smoke a brisket with a pineapple close by. It's different. Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. Which do you prefer, sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Uh, me, me too. I'm if a sunrise I'm, If guy. I'm up to watch it. Yes. Uh, guacamole or salsa? Salsa. Nice. Uh, which would you rather play, a card game or a board game? Board game. Nice. I'm a, I'm a big big board game guy. Yeah, except for Monopoly. You cannot play Monopoly with monks and my friends. I love Monopoly. It, it, I have I, the game on my phone. I play it for. I play it in my free time. So I have a very highly competitive group of friends. Yes. And it, 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 after Monopoly, my friends don't talk to each other for a week. <laughs> we have a standing room in what they used to call the frat house. When I bought my first house, I was in graduate school, and my friends were always at the house. And, yeah, we... People have flipped over Monopoly boards in my house. We don't tough. We don't it, talk about Bruno. It's a heart, it's a heartbreaking game. It really is. Um, all right, which do you prefer, crunchy peanut butter or smooth? Smooth. Ooh, I'm a, I'm a crunchy guy. Uh, all right, which would you would you rather read the book or see the movie? You know what? <sighs> okay, so I will say I used to be <laughs> see the movie until. Because I, I, I've seen pretty much all of the Tom Clancy movies, mm-hmm. but I got into reading the books. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, the level of detail. Like all my life I've been hearing people, the book has more detail. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't care. I'm not going to read the yeah, 17 yeah. billion pages. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Tom Clancy. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know who who decided to leave this out the movie. Yeah. Like, so unfortunately now I'm I am the book guy. Hey, listen, I'm I'm also the book guy, so I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, all right. In your opinion, who wins in a dance battle, The Rock or Kevin Hart? <laughs> it depends on what the metrics are. So let me get a PhD here. It depends on what the <laughs> metrics are. If I'm going for technicality, I'll probably say The Rock. If I'm going for hilariousness, it's definitely going to be Kevin Hart because that man can't dance. But uh, you don't think he's like agile? I mean, he's kind of he's a shorter guy. You don't think he can kind of get around real easily? You know? Yeah, yeah but we wouldn't be like I say. It depends on the metrics. That I am great. <laughs> the metrics. Yeah, so. I love it. Uh, all right, which decade do you prefer? The 70s, 80s, or 90s? See, I grew, I was born in '86, uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna have to go with man. The '90s was so dang cool. They had the best music, the best food, because it was my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was four in in 1990, so I'm like, well, did I really grow up in the '80s? Yeah. No. Yeah. We had Super Soakers. I had GI Joes. I still collect GI Joes to this day. Today was it's 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 a uh, uh, what is it? Gojo June. Hasbro just came out with a brand new GI Joe helicopter. I'm buying that thing. <laughs> I'm gonna say the '90s for me. I love the GI Joes in the '80s and '90s. So I'm gonna go with Joe. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. Um, last two questions of the kind of final four uh, holidays of the year. Which do you prefer? Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's? <sighs> These are my these are my favorite these are my favorite holidays. So yeah. I'm asking. Halloween, Thanksgiving, <clears throat> Christmas, or New Year's. So it's rough for me right now. Mm-hmm. Let me explain why. <laughs> not, I know I'm just killing your time. No, here. no, you're. I'm enjoying this. This is fine. Mm-hmm. My son was born in November before Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, so he was born on the ninth. Okay, my daughter was born on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. My wife was born on December 11th. I'm seeing the trend. Yeah. yeah. So Christmas is great, mm-hmm. 
But it's something about Thanksgiving because once again, I need to get in there, get in the gym, and I need to start running. The food on Thanksgiving mm. is always wonderful, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm missing it because now I'm married with mm-hmm. two kids and a wife, so I'm stuck here. I can't mm-hmm. go home. Yeah, is I have to bring my home here. Yeah, bring my parents and grandparents, people here. So um, I'm gonna go with Thanksgiving. Christmas is great, mm-hmm. but I, I will say, as an adult, mm-hmm. Christmas becomes more of a it's for them. Yeah. Which honestly, I can say that I, I enjoy doing it for them. Yeah, but it's not like when I was a kid and you know get the toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I <laughs> Thanksgiving understand. for me. I love it. Uh, and then final question. I usually kind of change up the first fourteen, but I always ask this uh, question of uh, the final question of each of my guests. I want to hear your answer and your your kind of rationale behind your answer as well. Would you rather fight a hundred duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? So you got you got a hundred small horse or s- small horses one really really big duck which would you rather go uh tussle with yes so i would definitely be the hundred duck-sized horses okay so what's your what's your thinking here uh, so uh yeah i done seen a lot of i, I never did it but i've seen a lot of punters punt and a lot of <laughs> kickers <laughs> on the football field kick and i feel ducks are vicious they are yes and so to have a big duck that's the size of you know a horse <laughs> You know, I mean, not too much you can do about that thing. And that big bill there, you know, they, you know, ducks are vicious, right? Yeah. Now, the other ones, oh, I can kick them all day long. You think so? Yeah. yeah I, Even I if there's a hundred of them? If it's a hundred, I'll get tired. But I mean, okay, <laughs> let's see, a duck. Duck is a small animal. I mean, we size of a chihuahua. I mean, it's a lot of ducks to kick. But, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, a lot, excuse me, a lot of horses to kick. Yeah. That's next thing. They're not ducks. They're horses. Yeah. So what's the worst he could do? You know, kick I mean, me with his back I mean, they foot. Could, they bite. could like stampede you. I mean, they could all like collectively, you know, unify their forces and come yeah, at that you. That would. You know? That's a whole lot. You're right. <laughs> stampede. I didn't even think about that. So I need to be. Yeah, it depends. I mean, you gotta you gotta be shifty. You know, you if, this is, if this is the way you're gonna go, you gotta be shifty with it. You know, you have to have some strategy. Yeah, I'm still gonna go with. If I have to fight them, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the hundred ducks. I mean, I mean, hundred duck sized horses. I I mean. Still bigger than them. I saw Gulliver's travels though. I, I gotta, I gotta be careful because you know, overwhelmed with, with you don't want them to tie you down, Mike, right? Yeah, I gotta be. Yeah. You know, but they're horses. Yeah, like, you know, I'm like, you kick a couple of them, they gonna flee. I love it. Uh, so yeah, they, they're not that aggressive of a pack attack animal. <laughs> the duck on the, I mean, the, the horse, the size of a duck. The, I mean, the duck, the size of a horse. That's rough. Yeah, yeah, that's real rough. Yeah, that 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 one scares me. That scares me a lot. Um, all right. Well, that is all the questions I got for you. Uh, I loved your answers. Thank you very much. Before we finish up, uh, do you just, again, thank you. Do you have any like links or anything you'd like to promote or any, you know, any, anything you got going on that you want to, you know, shout out or anything I can let, you know, the people know of before we finish up? Gotcha. I just, you know, Hey, please learn more about the Bethlehem center and what we do. We are a 103 year old nonprofit organization serving youth and families in the South Chattanooga area. Uh, definitely look us up and follow us on, um, you know, uh, Instagram and on Facebook at mm-hmm. the Beth and uh, go to our website at thebeth.org. Also look at Noir Nuga. Um, we, you know, like I say, we please follow us on Instagram at yeah. Noir Nuga. Um, and if you have time and your, your viewers have time, definitely show up to uh, an event that we're having on June 17th, which is our Juneteenth event, you know, commemorating, um, you know, uh, the Juneteenth holiday. Mm-hmm. We're having a wonderful event from one to four at the Bethlehem Center. Mm-hmm. We're having, um, you know, multiple food trucks, multiple, um, you know, different community vendors and small black businesses. It's a lot of great food, a lot of great fun, a lot of, you know, community, as well as we'll have people out there talking about the history of the Juneteenth holiday and explaining exactly what that is. So 
Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Well, I will make sure uh, like the link for the Beth is down there and also links to social medias and stuff is down there. So uh, if you're listening, you want to check that out, I will highly recommend go down to the description, check that out uh, and, and see what they got going on. Um, but yeah, with all that out of the way, Reggie, thank you very much again for coming in. It's been a absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for everybody that's been uh, listening so far, thank you very much uh, for tuning into today's episode. Uh, like I said, if you'd like to check out any of the links or anything mentioned during the show, uh, then feel free to head down to the description, check that out. Uh, and those will be down there and ready for you. Thank you as always for listening to and supporting the show. And I'll catch you all on another episode of the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode. and I really hope you enjoyed it. I will catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya.